Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. Well, last week I had Kristen on, who is planning her 2024 wedding. And this week, I have one of my past brides who got married last year. Her name is Evelyn. Evelyn, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This is uh, awesome to have uh, back-to-back weeks of uh, having a bride on to really share their story. I find that these episodes are really insightful for a lot of uh, professionals that are listening, as well as for brides that are planning for their own wedding, right? There's a lot of great tips that I think you uh, you find along the way. And now that you've been out of wedding planning and uh, for like well over a year now, we'll definitely get into um, how that went for you. But let's go back in time. Like really, I really want to know how you and Chris came about in the beginning. So I'm going to shut up. The floor is all yours. <laughs> all the details. So Chris and I first met in September of 2016 at the University of Alberta. We were both in the same beginner's German class, trying to learn the German language. We both had different reasons for for wanting to learn German. I've always wanted to in my family. Chris was deciding between learning Greek or German, and he figured he should stick with the same alphabet. So he, <laughs> he decided to to take German and he thought it'd be a more appropriate language to learn because he at that time he was considering pursuing business of some sort because he has a economics degree with a history minor, but I have an arts degree with a French major and a German minor. So our paths would have otherwise never crossed unless we, well, except for this course that we happened to take together. So in the beginning, we started out just as friends. I had just left the program in university I'd originally started in at, at the Campus Saint-Jean in nursing. And I decided that that wasn't for me. And I left and I went to main campus. And I had I had vowed to myself that I was going to make some friends. I was going to make some new friends on the new big campus. I was going to meet people, like-minded people. And I was walking through Hub. And I saw this guy that I recognized from German class. So I introduced myself and I struck up a conversation with him. and offered to keep him company while he ate his Edo Japan. And he said yes. And the rest is history. We would hang out every day after German class. And then the next semester, we weren't in the same German class, but we were already dating by that point. So we just kept hanging out and never stopped hanging out. Was it really like just a natural progression? Like just by hanging out, like you guys were like, okay, uh, you know, we can definitely see this go to the next level in our relationship. It really was because we started out, like I said, just as friends. And it was about a month and a, and a bit of us just sort of hanging out, just being friends. And we, we went through all of the get to know you topics. You know, what's your favorite music? What do you want to do in the future? What, what classes are you taking? What do you like to do in your free time? We did all those basic get to know you questions in that first month. In and English a half. or in German? Definitely in English. His German isn't <laughs> as good. <laughs> I had to ask. 
<laughs> I would have loved to force him to practice German, and so would our professor, but he unfortunately <laughs> was less inclined. Also, keep in mind, this was beginner's German. We were just learning how to tell each other what our favorite colors were and, and what we like to eat, or if we wanted to eat. I don't even think we got through. Oh, we learned how to order in a restaurant. That was the big one. That was the big hard one, was getting through a restaurant interaction. So how do you say... My name is Evelyn in German. Can you say that? Uh, yeah, I can say hello. My name is Evelyn. Uh, guten Tag. Ich heiße Evelyn. I'm not going to even try to uh, <laughs> repeat that. <laughs> I love that was it. day one. It was it was a fantastic course. I know the professor, this professor in particular. We didn't really, we kind of kept that when we started dating, we kind of kept that a little secret, not intentionally. It just never came up in class. But that professor then became aware that we were dating because we had these little journals that we had to write in about what we did over the weekend. And she realized that Chris and I were writing about the exact same things and hanging out with our Freund and Freundin because the word mm -hmm. for boyfriend and girlfriend is very like, it's the same as just friend in German. There's no, there isn't a different term for either. So she noticed we were writing about the same things. And so she took me aside and, and asked. And so we've kind of kept her in the loop, let her know when we, when we got engaged and I, I, I should probably send her a picture from the wedding. She'd probably really enjoy that. I love it. So when did you know, like in the dating phase of your relationship that this could actually turn into something more like, was it within that first year or? Oh, absolutely. We knew really, really soon. It was actually, like I said, we had started just to, we'd gotten to get to know each other. And then it was on our first date. When we, so we'd already done the, you know, what's your favorite music questions. We had, we had gone through that. So our first date, we, we spent most of it talking about what were, you know, what were your goals in life? You know, where do you see yourself in five years? What do you want to get out of life? And he kind of casually said, and this is the smartest thing he's ever done. He kind of casually said, I think one of the coolest things in life will be to be a father one day. And I was absolutely hooked. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> I was sold. I absolutely Where do I sign? I said, that one. <laughs> I want that one. And so then it was sort of we said I love you pretty early. And we talked about wanting to get married pretty early. I'd say even within the first six months. Like we knew that, you know, there's that people say all the time, Oh, you just know. And I'm like, yeah. no, there's no way you just know. You just know when you meet that person. And if it takes you longer to know that's okay too. But we just, you know, we had had certain revelations in our lives where we realized that we wanted, we were in a point in our lives where we wanted to look for something long-term. We wanted to look for that real commitment. And then we met each other and we, we want the same things out of life and we have the same values in life. And we just, we were each other's perfect half. So what was like, typical dates for you guys? Like, what did you guys like to do together? Well, keep in mind, we were 21. <laughs> we were 21 and 22. Uh, so this, this is a PG podcast, just so you're aware. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of... I, also, we were in university at the time, too. So a lot of it was uh, sitting together. So no money. In, no money at all. No money. He actually... Oh, he's such a sweetheart. He started working part-time in the mornings at... Um, shout out to Interstate Battery Warehouse, owned by Matthew Benning, former Oilers' parents. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Matt he Benning, was, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
he went to kindergarten with Chris. So Chris knows the Chris's family knows the Bennings That's through really that. Cool. Yeah, a little little name drop there. Um, but he started working in the mornings at the battery warehouse from eight till eleven, and his first class was at noon. He did that so that he could have money to take me on dates. Because he had no money and I had no money. That's boyfriend material right there. It was so sweet. That's husband material. He wanted to (laughs) treat me. Now everything's Dutch, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, (laughs) we're past that point. But it was really, really sweet. But a lot of it was getting coffee at Cookies by George in Hub and then going to Rutherford Lounge in Hub and sitting there and working on our essays for our respective classes and studying and getting absolutely no work done because we'd spend the whole time chatting. And I know family is really important to you both. When did you let your families know about each other? I actually tried not to tell my family right away just because when Chris and I had started dating, I had just broken up with my previous boyfriend, but I was I had checked out of that relationship a long time ago, realized that it, it wasn't it wasn't it. I knew right away that it wasn't the one. And so I didn't want my family to think Chris was just some rebound. So I tried to postpone him meeting my family and Chris was not having it. So he actually threatened to just show up at my house and introduce himself if I didn't do it soon enough. So it was pretty I had no idea about this. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, I was I was stressed. I was real stressed. I think I met his mom. I met his mom and the family dog in the first week of us officially dating. And then I Oh wow, so that was probably, real quick. Yeah. It was really it was really quick. And then he met my family, I want to say maybe two or three weeks into us officially dating, but I was trying to wait a month <laughs> at least. See, I thought he, you were like gonna say months, like, but it was really just like a couple weeks. It really was, but also keep in mind, <laughs> we were both living at home when we started dating because my parents live really close to the university. It's and so hard going to, hide to that, university right? exactly. So it was uh, how times it, have changed now. I know. Now we now we have our own place <laughs> yes. that we rent. When did you guys start talking about like marriage? I know you, you he talked early on about like wanting to be like a dad and in some instances you become a parent before you get married. But for you guys, I know you guys had your school going on, school has always been very important to you. And I I think that's amazing that you both were brought up like really well, you know, with both such parents and education was just a very strong foundation in your relationship. But at what point did you guys really start looking at this as like, okay, it's like, is there going to be a proposal? Like, when are we going to take this to the next step that where we're not just boyfriend, girlfriend and trying to hide from our parents. Well, you know what? You actually bring up a really a really good point point there when you said, you know, sometimes people become parents before before they get engaged. And Chris and I's sort of like proposal journey really isn't isn't a traditional one. And I don't even think you know about this, Kevin. So this might be a shock to you. I don't think I told you. I'm all ears. I actually I want to say it was about a year, year and a half. I was just finishing up my arts degree and I was considering going into education after, which I did end up ultimately doing, but I had actually become pregnant. Yes. Uh, I I did not know that. Yeah, no, I became pregnant uh, and it was a complete shock. Like, obviously I want kids. Chris wants kids. We want to have a family. But when I was 22, that was not when I wanted that family. And I grew up raised in a... Christian family. 
and I have Christian beliefs. Take it, that being said, I am very much pro-choice, but my choice was definitely to want to keep it just because I absolutely adore babies and children and I can't imagine getting rid of one, or at least at the time I couldn't. Speaking of which, you're a fur parent and uh, your little one uh, was just trying to jump for uh, about 20 seconds there up onto the couch. So you can't see this obviously on the podcast, but uh, so cute. I'm <laughs> yeah, a fur parent she... too, so I... She she has some self-confidence issues and she doesn't think she can jump very high when in reality she can. (laughs) She did it. She did in the end. (laughs) Well, anyway, it ends up being an okay story. It was a really challenging time in our relationship, actually, because Chris was so amazing in the whole thing. We uh, Basically, what had happened was I had a copper IUD that failed. So highly Mm, recommend hormonal IUDs over copper IUDs. And so I had fallen pregnant and I was really, there was never a heartbeat. I went to like four different ultrasounds. There was never a heartbeat. It was so ridiculously early and we, we knew that we wanted to get married. So we were, we were going to do a shotgun wedding because I really wanted to be married before the kid. We were going to do a shotgun wedding. We went to Spence, we picked out my engagement ring. We were ready And we wanted to be engaged before we broke the news to my very Catholic father that I was pregnant. And then before we even could do anything, I I miscarried just naturally. So was this in 2017 or 2018? (sighs) No, I want to say November 2017. So like we had just come up on a year or so. It was okay. like we just had a year. It was within the first two years of our relationship. I will stick to that. The timeline has become muddled over over the years because now we've been together for almost seven. You know, this November, it'll be seven years together. One year married. That's amazing. Almost seven together. So then it became the conversation of, well, I don't want you to propose just because you were going to. I want, I want you to wait for the right moment, you know, because we had some things we needed to work through because of that. So it was, this was actually like a huge hiccup in our relationship. I think we would have gotten engaged earlier than we than we did mm. had this not happened he held on right. to that engagement ring for a whole year before proposing to me <laughs> but that was a lot of patience that was a lot of patience it was a lot of patience it was we had some things we needed to work through you know we had suffered a loss we were you know as stressful and scary as it was the potential of this unexpected little life that we were going to have and then the loss of it we we did some couples counseling and we talked about it with a professional because we didn't know how to deal with it and it was through that it like through that experience as awful as it was and as much as i never want I can to relate. go through that again what chris and i try to do all the time is find the silver lining to everything in our lives. And the silver lining in this, the gray cloud being it took him forever to propose, but the silver lining is still is that it brought us so much closer together as a couple. And we, it strengthened us. And we just, we've always felt like we can handle anything. If we can, as a couple, go through this and still be together and feel closer at the end of everything, if anything, it just confirmed that we were we were meant to be together and that we would make a wonderful married couple. I love that. That's uh that's so true. I love that a lot. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. I really appreciate that. So let's jump ahead to the proposal. Yes, finally. <laughs> yeah. Do you still remember how it all went down? 
Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I was living for that day. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me all about it. How you were feeling leading up to it. Did you expect it? Uh, and well, like, I definitely expected it. I expected it for an entire year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we joke about it now between the two of us, but you know, it's, I think the hard thing about waiting that long for the proposal was you hear about all these beautiful stories. And uh, that's, I just want to say that that's why I, I wanted to share my experience because the journey towards your proposal doesn't need to be all butterflies and roses and Most times unicorns, it's not. you know, it's, it's sometimes it's dirty. Life is messy. And sometimes it's hard. Life is so messy. And this was, you know, but then it just, it made the proposal that much more sweet. It was just before the pandemic, like a month before Canada shut down, we went to Lake Louise for a ski trip. I'd been wanting to do a ski trip for a while. We were going the weekend before Valentine's Day because I didn't want to go on the weekend of Valentine's Day because that'd be silly. Why would I go when it's on the actual weekend? <laughs> um, and so we were we're staying in a really cute little um, hotel, the Deer's Lodge. It's the one that's right down the road from um, the Fairmont Lake Louise because mm-hmm. Lord knows we could not afford to stay at the Fairmont, but we wanted to sneak in there and have some drinks. Of course. Everyone does. Absolutely. Exactly. And it was walking distance. So, but he chose going to Lake Louise because that was the first um, place we ever went on a ski trip together. So it was quite a special place for us. I like that. Yeah. And so we were skiing and the first day it was so beautiful. The sun was shining. It was beautiful weather. I'd washed my hair the night before. So I felt like I was looking pretty cute. He didn't propose that day. (laughs) He proposed on the second day and then I had nice greasy hair and it was super windy and it was overcast and the snow was just pelting your face. Perfect. (laughs) Exactly. So sounds like a Hollywood movie to me. Exactly. And so we, we went to the very top uh, that you can get to on the chair in Lake Louise and it's called Top of the World. And so he, we, and it was, like I said, it was windy and overcast. And I've been skiing since I was four. Chris has been skiing since we've been dating. <laughs> so I you taught him. Uh, I could not teach him. My mom taught him. I, oh, okay. I learned as a child. I didn't know how to teach him as an adult. <laughs> but you're a teacher. I know. I am no ski instructor. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. No, my mom learned how to ski as an adult and she was far more patient than I was when we were only three months into our relationship when we went on that ski trip. No, it was a family ski trip that Chris was uh, Chris was a part of. So it was pretty funny. But he is a very quick study. So he was he was pretty good right away. But that being said, from the top of the world, there are, they are more challenging runs to get down the mountain. So I'm looking around and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what would be the best way to get him down the mountain without any broken bones. So I'm looking and I'm trying to find, and all of a sudden I turn around and to look at him, make sure he's behind me and he's taking his skis off. And I look at him, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you taking your skis off? Like we're going down the mountain. Like what's wrong with you? And honestly, I can't even remember what he said. I asked him if he remembered. He doesn't remember what he said either. It was definitely something along the lines of, Evelyn, I love you. Will you do me the honor of becoming my wife? I think the most impressive thing that he did was he managed to get down on one knee in ski boots. If you've ever been in ski boots, That's it's hard to walk. And he did it without falling. And he got back up. I just remember feeling so shocked. I was giddy as can be. 
Uh, my hands were shaking and they were not cold in that moment. I remember that. Uh, I remember putting the ring on. I'd forgotten what it looked like almost because it'd been a whole year. And then I remember thinking, oh my gosh, now I have to ski down the mountain. You had seen it like a year before. I'd seen it a year before. Okay. We picked it together. Right. Okay. I love and I trust my husband, but I'm too much of a control freak to not no my own ring. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? No, not at all. Me? Who could <laughs> barely even let her wedding planner do things? Before the wedding? We'll get into that shortly. <laughs> but so it was like, I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like my I, my legs feel like jello. How am I going to ski down this mountain? And we did. And so then we just went to the chalet. And I just remember just sitting and staring at it and him just looking at me very lovingly and being very pleased with himself for making me so happy. And it just made for a really special weekend and you know, it was really fun to go home. And my when we came home, my family had some champagne for us. And it was very sweet. So did they know that what was going to happen that weekend? Had Chris let them in? No, I do not believe so. I think that they were hopeful because it's not very typical for us to just go on a trip, just the two of us. Usually we piggyback on my parents. <laughs> so you get back home. Like, at what point do you two start talking about the big day and like kind of walk myself through you know just the process that you guys were going through at that time because you were obviously still in school and you know you want to that's that's obviously going to be your first priority is your your studies but Mm -hmm. yeah I'm curious to know like at, at what point did you start looking at the planning so I think it was fairly quick in the beginning I was thinking you know I want a one year engagement like that seems fair you know, I came from a family where my parents were only engaged for a month. And I, I knew that was not for me. But I knew I wanted a one-year engagement. I thought that'd give me good time to plan the wedding and figure things out and do it while going to school. Maybe I would have just taken a slightly lighter course load. I am not one to shy away from doing my degree over another year or something. I'm very, I'm very in favor of adding a year on in university just for your mental health's sake. But it was a really, it was right away. I I mean, I'm a planner by nature. So I definitely started planning right away. And I was trying to think, you know, when would be a good time to have the wedding? And that was actually the first one was figuring out what season and roughly what day I would want to have the wedding. And I decided I didn't want a winter wedding. And what was Chris thinking too? Like, was he like... He gave me full full control. He's smart. He knows you well. He likes what I do. He said, I just have certain, there's just certain things that, you know, I maybe have an opinion on. I would always sort of ask him and say, you know, do you have an opinion on this? And he would say no. <laughs> and, I, and he said, no, whatever you want, that's fine. As well, it, it, He knew I wasn't going to get like the most expensive of everything. He knew I wasn't going to get like things that were too unreasonable. I don't know. He thought a lot of things were unreasonable when in reality, they were incredibly reasonable. He realizes after the fact, though, in the planning stages, he couldn't quite understand they it. Usually but after he goes, oh, that makes sense now. But I real, I wanted, so our anniversary, our, our dating anniversary is just between our two birthdays. My birthday's on October 4th and his birthday is on November 28th. And our anniversary was November 18th. And I wanted it to be as far away from Christmas and our birthdays as possible. 
because I was so tired of having two things to get him gifts for in November and then <laughs> Christmas just after. I said, this is not good for my wallet. I don't know what to do. And I want something that's going to be far away from my birthday so I can get presents twice a year. Smart. <laughs> I was really planning ahead. And I knew that I was going to be a teacher. So I thought, you know what, a spring wedding, because everybody gets married in the summer. That's like the high season. I wanted to not be in the high season because then I thought I might be able to get some better deals. <laughs> and also I figured if I got if we got married in spring, <laughs> I would have my vendors all nice and fresh at the beginning of wedding season and not <laughs> not burnt out in August. That's really funny, actually. It's funny, but it's true because I, I still follow some of my vendors. And every once in a while, some of them will post and say, wedding vendors, how are you holding up? Like in July. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you yeah. still have a month and a half of weddings. What are you going to do? And you're like, no, I don't want my wedding in that in that range. No. Exactly. And so like, and, and then I was looking and I was thinking as a teacher and I was thinking, you know what? May long weekend. I could have a week, long weekend to celebrate my wedding every year. We could go on a little trip. We could go camping. We can go somewhere. I can have that extra day. And I can have that every year if we get married on the May long weekend. And so that is what we did. So May 22nd, 2022 is a day. I love the numbers. Yes. I also really enjoyed that too. And our actually, because we got engaged just before the pandemic, the pandemic was thriving uh, during the wedding planning process. Yeah, We were originally planning for May 21st to 2021. I still really wanted the matching numbers. And that was originally our plan just because there hadn't really been any the restrictions for weddings were still unclear. Things were still unfolding. We didn't know how long this would last. We didn't know what would happen. But ultimately, I want to say it was in January. It was pretty quick. So we got engaged in, like I said, in February, March, the world shut down. Of 2020. I don't even think it was in January. Gosh, when was that? But shortly, it was It was a few months. Like We were maybe five months into sort of loose wedding planning, sort of looking at venues, checking out venues, just sort of thinking of things. Uh, we were definitely wedding dress shopping. I do remember doing that because I know that that one takes the longest time. I was looking at venues because you need a venue before you can really do anything else. And then we, shortly after when they were limiting it to 11 guests or whatever it was at the wedding, I spoke with Chris and we decided, you know, we we were still really lucky at that time because we had so many grandparents still alive. And the way things were, because we each have one sibling and we had our two parents, we could only have one of our living five grandparents be there. And I was like, well, how do you choose that? So let's just, let's scrap it and we'll just postpone it a year. Because what's, what is one more year if it means that you could have at least your entire family? Yeah. So it was something that we really spent a long time considering. And I ultimately, I'm really pleased with how, how things turned out in the end and that we made the right choice. Yeah, no, so am I. So you were talking about uh, you were looking at venues at first. Walk me through like what was your vision you had for uh, the venue? Like what were things that you were looking like out of the venues that uh, you guys needed to have, you know, for your dream wedding? What I first did, and I don't know if I saw a video telling me to do this or if I just did this on my own, but I decided I wanted some keywords because all my vendors are always going to ask me, you know, what is your, what's your vision for your wedding? I mean, that's the, what's one of the first questions. And I decided I was going to have some keywords that I was just going to spit out to everybody. And it was elegant, 
timeless and classic. Those are my three words. I'd add maybe an extra one here or there, but elegant, timeless, and classic were the three words that I associated with my wedding. And so that kind of gave a lot of wiggle room when it came for looking for venues. And I, I am a girl who loves a deal. I love a good deal. So I was also looking for venues and vendors that they didn't need to be the cheapest. Like I believe in paying for something if it's got good value. And so I went with who I felt had the best bang for buck, you being one of them. <laughs> but uh, I first needed to sort of think about, you know, do I did I want something that was outdoorsy or did I want something different? Because, you know, you see all these beautiful outdoor weddings and, you know, we are in Alberta. So there's a lot of barn weddings. I think before my wedding, I was primarily going to, I was attending primarily barn weddings. Nothing wrong with a barn wedding. I love a good barn wedding. But I didn't really feel like that represented me or Chris for that matter. And that's important. I mean, the venue has to speak to you. Exactly. Because I also didn't feel like I love a barn, but elegant and timeless and classic. Maybe it's classic for Alberta, but it wasn't quite the vision of classic that I was going for. And so I was looking around online. I was looking a lot on Wedding Wire. I was learning about some different venues on the Wedding Wire website. I found it was really useful. The Knot is also very useful. My cousin used The Knot for planning her wedding. So Wedding Wire and The Knot are a really great quick starting point just to figure out what are all the different things you need to plan. And they're free. I really enjoyed the free part. But I, the first venue we actually toured wasn't the venue we ended up choosing. We went to Pine and Pond. Have you heard of that one? I have shot there and I'm back there later this summer. Oh, no way. It was a stunning venue. I thought it was so it cool. They had so many beautiful things. And I would have loved to have my wedding out there. But my husband has a mild form of albinism meaning he's incredibly photosensitive. And on the day that we went out to Pine and Pond, he was, it was a beautiful sunny day. It was stunning. But he was squinting the entire time. He had left his sunglasses at home, which he never does, but he did this time. And he I couldn't see his eyes the entire time we were at the venue. He was squinting the entire time. And I realized that's what he would look like in all of our wedding photos if we had an outdoor wedding. So it was at that moment I realized... We're scrapping the outdoor wedding. Everything for our wedding needed to be inside, which is very difficult to plan. Including the ceremony. Exactly. Everything was going to be inside. Ceremony, reception, portraits. I wanted nothing outside. And also it was going to be the May long weekend. For all we know, it could hail. Yeah. There's nothing scarier to me than the weather on the May long weekend as a bride. That was That was my one major concern. So it was kind of a relief when I came to the realization that we needed to do everything inside. So then came the search for a new venue, something that is a little bit more unique, but also would accommodate a fairly large number of guests because my my husband has many, many friends. I have many, many relatives. And it was COVID was sort of winding down and we wanted to have a party. We wanted to have a little rager. So I knew that the ceremony would be in a church. That was something that was really important to me and to my dad. And, you know, I just, I can't really imagine for myself personally getting married, not in a church. And which church did you end up going with? So we ended up going with Trinity Lutheran Church here in Edmonton. 
It's just off of White Avenue on 81st Ave and 100th Street. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, It's actually just down the street from the house that we rent. So it was incredibly convenient. It's not the church that Chris and I go to ourselves, but they were incredibly accommodating and they allowed our pastor to come and do the wedding ceremony, which was incredibly special because I've known my pastor since I was in grade three. And so he's been a really important person in my life and is someone that that Chris knows really well as well. And so we had the ceremony there. And then something else that was really important to me was making sure that there was no downtime between the ceremony and the reception. Not that there's anything wrong with having downtime, but I personally don't like it (laughs) as a wedding guest. So I didn't want my guests to have that. So our guests could go immediately from the ceremony to our reception venue, which we ended up choosing Studio 96, which is on 96th Street, which is also known as Church Street. And I don't have the avenue handy. That would have been really clever of me to have that, wouldn't it? It's all good. I'll be uh, taking them uh, in the show notes. So it's, it's all good. Perfect. Yeah, it's a beautiful renovated church. So it was an Anglican church, I believe, but they renovated it to be a venue space. So they sometimes have concerts there. They can do wedding ceremonies, including the reception or just the reception, if that's what you want. I've seen them do birthdays or corporate events. They do lots of stuff. And it was just, it had these beautiful high ceilings and there were fairy lights and lots of windows and light. And just, it was a really unique a very, a very elegant, a very timeless, and a very classy and classic place. And I just, I could see the potential in the space for a really fun night. Which it was. It absolutely was. We had a blast. So once you got your venue down and you've got your dates selected, and what was next for you? Like, what was important for you to um, to book next? my dress, because I know that takes forever to come in and then you have to do your alterations. You have to plan for alterations. You have to budget for alterations. Shout out to Yara the Taylorette for doing the best alterations in Edmonton. And you want to talk about just that, how that whole process went for you with the, uh, the dress? I'd love to. It was the best time of my life. I love trying on dresses. I was such a princess as a little girl. I'm a princess today who says you can't be. And so I loved trying on wedding dresses. I probably tried on close to 40 dresses. Oh, wow. I tried on a lot of dresses. And I went in with the idea that I wanted a feeling. You know, there would, there would just be a certain feeling. And once again, it was those three key words. I wanted elegant, timeless, and classic. So I, I tried on a bunch of different things. I was open to trying on whatever the, you know, the professional would suggest. I was open to trying on things that maybe I hadn't, I wouldn't have considered originally. There were certain things that obviously I loved. I was, you know, at first you're deciding between, do you want something fitted? Do you want something more A-line? Do you want something with sleeves, without sleeves? Do you want strapless or something holding you up? There's lots of different factors to consider. And I think brides should go in and try all of the different options because you might be surprised what you'll like and what you'll find yourself gravitating towards. I had my ideas. I thought I would get something with like, you know, flowers on it with lots of lace. And I really enjoyed off the shoulder dresses. So, you know, that was always something I was looking for. 
And it wasn't until I think it was the third shop we went to that I tried on what ended up being my wedding dress. And you know, you're thinking, I'm from the generation where we grew up watching Say Yes to the Dress on TLC. So you're thinking, oh, I'm going to have this huge moment and then I'm going to, it's going to be emotional. But because of COVID, you know, only, I was only able to have my mom come to all of my appointments, which was perfect because she had only positive things to say, which is exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was no criticisms whatsoever until I said I didn't like the dress. Then she would share any criticism. Oh, yes, yes. I see what you're talking oh, about I see now. That yes, now. I agree. No. Yes, yes. You're right. My, mom, my mom's amazing. <laughs> and so I, it wasn't until, you know, I finally found that dress. But at the end of every appointment at each store, I left with a dress that I was like, I that one was my favorite. I could potentially see myself wearing that, but let's see what the other store has. You know, it was a lot of let's see what the other store has. But at the at the end of every appointment, I was like, that one is my favorite. I was always able to find a favorite, which is honestly so important because otherwise it's incredibly disheartening. Wedding dress shopping can be it is so draining. There was one day where we did two appointments in one day. I've never been so tired in my life. It's a lot of like putting dresses on and taking them off. Like it's a lot of work. Some of them are heavy. Yeah. Some of them are really heavy. I can't relate obviously, but uh, I can only imagine. <laughs> it can be really heavy. I swear there was one I tried on. It was easily 10 pounds. Easily. Oh. It was wild. There was so much lace on it. It was beautiful. But ultimately, I'm really glad I didn't pick it because it was really hot on our wedding day and I would have absolutely melted. I would have been miserable. Yeah, no. So like how long did it actually take for you to nail down the dress of your dreams? We made all of our appointments within the span of a week. And then it was at our appointment at the White Gallery in the Oliver Exchange building where I tried on my dress. Actually, she is just about to move into a much larger location, still in the same neighborhood, but she's going to be getting a huge shop. She's outgrown her space. And I'm very, very, very proud of her one woman show. I love it. At the White Gallery. My mom, this dress caught my mom's eye and it caught my eye too. And so I tried on a couple before it. And then I put this dress on and my mom took a picture of me in every single dress And I am just beaming in that dress. I did not cry. I felt very, very beautiful, but I did not cry, which I was kind of surprised by because I'm a crier, but I didn't probably because I was just happy. And so I, you know, I just, I was beaming in those pictures and I just, I felt so beautiful. I felt like a princess without it being too obviously princessy. Without the tiara and yeah, I get it. Yeah. I considered a tiara, I considered it. <laughs> you know, it had the beautiful off the shoulder that I really wanted. And it was just a beautiful fitted with a boned bodice that just made me, you know, it cinched you in while still having the A-line and it had pockets and it was just this beautiful brocade fabric and it just it was so stunning and it was elegant timeless and classic and it was simple but elevated and it just I felt like a bride I felt beautiful my mom thought it was stunning and it was the dress to beat I still had another appointment the next day at a different shop and so once again it was the end of that appointment I said that's you know this is my favorite from this appointment Let's see what the other place has. But at the other shop, I went to Novell the next day and they gave me such a wonderful experience, despite it being pretty clear, I think, to the consultant that I had found my dress. She really pulled pulled out the stops and 
provided a lot of very beautiful dresses, but just none of them compared. They were close and they were stunning, but none of them compared to my dress. And so it's really just a feeling that you have. And if you don't you know, cry, you know. that's fine. Exactly. It's once again, it's a you know, you know. <laughs> you know, when I when I realized I wanted to marry Chris, I didn't cry. I realized it and I went, oh, nice. I want to marry Chris. <laughs> Just like with my dress. It's like, oh, nice. This is my dress. I didn't need to cry. It doesn't always have to be some big emotional production. It's nice when it is. But if it isn't, that's, that doesn't mean it's not the right choice. Exactly. So while this was happening, was Chris looking at suits yet? Or like, I mean... you think he was doing anything related to the wedding? <laughs> I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. His grandmother had bought him like a custom made tux like a a year or two prior and so he was planning on wearing that for the wedding okay so he wanted to wear that because you know it was something special that his grandmother had had got for him and he looked very very nice in it so i i had no complaints he really did very dapper yeah the only thing he really he had i will tell you this right now kevin he had two jobs actually no he had one job technically and the other one was an opinion the only thing that he was passionate about (laughs) Um, in his choices for the wedding day. His job was the liquor. And that was sort of a joint job between him and his parents. And the only thing he was really passionate about, I had said, like, oh, it'd be nice, you know, if you guys got some vests for under your tuxedos. I think that would look really nice. He looked at me, he goes, no, I want to wear a cummerbund. And I was like, all right, you have you have an opinion. By all means, you do you. I support the cummerbund. Okay, so we, we've got the venue, we've got the dress now. What's next? What was next on your checklist? Photographer, okay. videographer. That was my next step. And that was actually a really hard one for me. Not the videographer, obviously. But the photographer was kind of hard to find because I, online, it was especially, especially during this time. So this is 2020, 2020, 2021 timeline here. And the trend was very warm toned, which I just personally am not a huge fan of. And it was also with like very orangey, pinky hues, which I love for like portraits, just casual portraits. And for people who get that for their wedding, that's totally valid. But once again, I didn't feel like these colored hues were timeless. Yeah. I really hung on to my keywords. I don't know if you've noticed. No, that's great. And I'm glad that you, you, were consistent with that and you stuck to your guns because it's easy to you know kind of fall off the path there and and go down these other paths and it's like oh now all of a sudden your your wedding is a mixture of a a bunch of different things right so exactly especially with with all the different wedding content that you're seeing on social media right now it's so easy to just start feeling like what you're doing is inadequate or not enough or not good enough but it's your wedding it only needs to be good enough for you and it will be because you're just going to enjoy yourself. All, your only job is to plan a fun day and make sure that you enjoy yourself on that day. I swear I, I told you that before your wedding day. You might have. <laughs> <laughs> you very well uh, might have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so back to photography. It was a challenge. It was a challenge also because um, the other trend, which I'm definitely more in favor of, is sort of like the darker, moodier photos. Because that makes me look really nice and tanned. But as I said earlier, I have a mildly albino husband. He doesn't have like the red eyes and the white hair and like the the paper white skin, but he's incredibly fair and has mm-hmm. very, very blonde hair. And he has he has blue eyes. So it's, you know, I say a mild form of albinism. 
if you saw him in the streets, you wouldn't think that he had albinism, but he, he does. And having such a fair complexion, this dark and moody editing style just made him look even paler. And mm-hmm. he's a very confident man. It's one of the things I love the most about him. But his pale complexion is one of the very few things that he is insecure about. So I really kept in mind when I was planning our wedding that, and when I was looking for photographers, that I wanted to find photographers who could complement his complexion. Well, not enhancing his paleness, but just sort of not changing True to life. the colors too much. Exactly. But I still wanted there to be some sort of edit to it, just to to give it that sort of a little punch, but the uniform look of of editing, you know, where everything all kind of if you had you could pick out what the main colors are out of if you just saw a compilation of all the pictures. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that light and airy were kind of the colors that we were going for, because even if it was something that made me look a little paler, I really didn't mind. It was more important to me. If I looked a little paler, it might make him look less pale if I was looking paler. That wasn't really a concern of mine. I wanted it to be, like you said, lifelike. And so then I have a really good friend of mine, uh, Ashley, now Recklow, actually. She got married. Ashley Recklow, who has her wedding planning company, Instinct. She had some photographers in mind. And so I checked them all out and I ended up going with it was brooklyn yes i had brooklyn and evan i was like it was brooklyn c photography that i was trying to remember what her handle was because i know her middle name's carolyn and so i was thinking of carolyn and i love them they were from calgary yeah they came up from calgary and so um since normally their package would include an engagement session but since we weren't from calgary and they came up to edmonton fairly often they just said, you know, we'll use the money that's in the, you know, that's in the package that would have been for the engagement session. We'll just call that our travel fee and call it a day. So once again, there's the big bang for buck. Because I'm like, yeah, of course, that sounds great. If I don't have to put you up in a, in a hotel and, you know, you can see with your family that you have up here and you can use that as your travel fee. That sounds great to me. It's a win-win. It really was. And they were so fantastic. And it was really nice having two. It was pretty insane having two photographers and two videographers on the wedding day. I felt like such a celebrity. Paparazzi, we're just following really? you around. It's like, oh, what is she doing now? <laughs> oh, no, she's she's picking her nose. Okay, guys, you know, put your cameras <laughs> down. Okay. <laughs> but it was it was pretty surreal having all that attention. Uh, yeah. Not, I didn't mind it. That being said, I didn't mind it at all. But That princess is coming out again, right? Oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? But it was a really, it was, it, it was a little overwhelming at first. I think it was a little overwhelming for Chris at first, but you know, he, he got over that pretty quickly. Yeah. No, honestly, it, it was such a dream to work with them. And it was the first time I had actually worked with them and, and we've uh, kept in touch since then. And oh, nice. I'm, I'm trying to get them on the podcast, uh, but they've uh, been in the process of moving and, and they have two young things. kids. Yeah. They got a lot going on. So we'll, we'll definitely get them on the podcast because, uh, they were just so wonderful to work with. And I just really like just enjoyed the experience with them. And, and obviously their work uh, speaks for itself. So when you were recommended to them, 
by uh, Ashley. Were you looking at other photographers too, though, still? like were you- I was. Yeah, I was definitely looking at others and I was reaching out, trying to figure out what their, what their budgets were or what their um, packages were and the price for those packages. And ultimately, I felt that, you know, Brooklyn and Evan had a really good value and they had that little bit more experience than other than other photographers necessarily had. And also they responded first. So timely response really does say something. And, you know, they were, they, she was excited right away. Brooklyn was the one I was first in contact with. And, you know, she was excited right away. We booked a little meeting at first, a little, a little video conference just to chat and figure out if it was the right fit. And I felt really good at the end of it. And it was a wonderful match. I, at the end of the day, I was very ultimately very pleased with all the vendors that I selected for for the wedding and you know the photography I love all the pictures I'm in the process of trying to make a little coffee table book for a very belated first anniversary gift to ourselves because uh, the first anniversary is paper if I'm not mistaken and coffee table books have paper there we go so you got uh Brooklyn and Evan now join the party and what was after them like i think you were shortly after okay so talk to me how that experience went for you and i'm not paying you to say anything (laughs) nice about me but i really would love to know like how did you find me and like what were you looking for uh, on a video side going in was this one of the things that chris was saying maybe this wasn't necessary you know we have photo do we really need video oh definitely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely thanks chris thanks chris i appreciate it. no chris and i were good i know he loved the film afterwards so. he absolutely loves it he at first he, he was like really like okay i mean if you think so he was kind of whatever you figure it out and so i knew that it was something i definitely wanted and so i i think i first found you i think you might have been on wedding wire i think you have something on wedding i do have wire. an account on there i mean i yeah because I always started my searches with Wedding Wire because then I'd start seeing something. And if I didn't find something that I was vibing with entirely, I would go and I'd, I'd look up keywords on Instagram or I'd be Googling things. But I found you and I reached out to you and you... I can only assume I was talking with you. I could have been talking with your wife. I don't know. It was definitely me. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I remember, you know, you were... There was absolutely no judgment because keeping in mind, we were in our early 20s, now it's late 20s, which is gross, but we were in our early 20s. So we were poor and we were, you know, receiving graciously a lot of help from our families. Mm -hmm. And so we had a pretty tight budget and a pretty strict budget. And so I was sort of inquiring and then I, I had mentioned to you how this videography is so important to me. I really want to have it on the day, but you know, it's just, it it was so expensive. So many people, they would, so I I reached out to other videographers just inquiring about pricing. And so many of them would reach out and they'd be like, Oh, this would be $4,000. $4,000. Like that's more than what I'm, than what I was originally paying the photographers. I was like, man, like it's going to cost more than the photography. Like it's really important to me, but I decided, you know what I need to, I need to find something that's more bang for buck. And so I was inquiring and you definitely had more competitive pricing, I'd say. It's obviously, videography is expensive and it takes a lot of time and you're paying for the time that the videographer has to do all their editing and such. 
but I mentioned to you how, you know, it was so important to me to have videography, but I just, I was still concerned about budget. And you at that time had decided to create sort of like an associate brand where you had other people doing videography work, but then you were doing the editing. Correct. And so then you were essentially making it so that videography could be more accessible at a more reasonable price point. And so I was absolutely sold from that point. I said, yes, this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is the good value. It's the great quality, but at good value. And so I I knew right away. I was like, there we go. That's done. That's dealt with. You told me about all of your experience. I watched some of your videos and I said, this is perfect. This is exactly what we're looking for. And I felt very comfortable sort of handing over creative control there because I also didn't really know what I wanted my my video to look like, but I knew I could trust you. No, and I certainly appreciate that trust. And yeah, I certainly remember when you reached out and back in uh, 2021. And yeah, at that time I had launched a second company uh, that was uh, definitely, you know, gearing towards a, a different market than uh, Wig and Tail Studios was at that time. And later that year, um, I decided that uh, I was a little too uh, ambitious and uh, disbanded uh, that company uh, just because it was just too much for me to take on and live and learn, right? But exactly what I ended up doing was like everyone that was booked under that brand was uh, transferred over to Wagon Tail Studios. And so you were now getting me uh, on the day. Which honestly, I'm so incredibly grateful for. And the, the way that I see it, I mean, going back, like if I hadn't been able to book with you, like through the associate brand, like something looking back that I should have been able to, I would have been, I wish I would have been able to budget for. Right. Like I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. And it was so amazing. And it worked out perfectly at the end of the day, but I really see the value of it now. So whenever, whenever I have, you know, because I was the first, we're the first couple in our friend groups to really get married and like really, really set the bar for the wedding. And so I am the, I'm the reference point. I'm the point of contact for all of these newly engaged friends of ours for wedding planning, especially in the city. And so I always say like budget for the videography. I recommend this guy. And I always... And you got Allison. I did. Yeah, my cousin. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you were true to your word. Like I tell everybody. <laughs> the next month, you know, we did uh, your cousin's wedding. And uh, I didn't shoot it because I had my own wedding. But I had uh, Alicia, who was my second videographer with your wedding, uh, lead that wedding for their wedding. And so it turned out really well. Yeah, I've, I've only seen the highlight video for Allison, but it looked beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. All weddings are beautiful. <laughs> they all have their own unique beauty to them, right? So let's keep on going. I know like we're past the, the one hour mark, but you know what? I'm not stopping. If you're good, I'm good. I'm good. Are you kidding me? Okay. I'm great. My favorite thing to do is talk about weddings and my wedding. My wedding was awesome. It's my favorite thing to talk about. And I always joked that because um, I believe like you're a bride for the whole first year after your wedding. And she, <laughs> and now that we're past that year... <laughs> I'm not a bride anymore, so I'm so happy to talk about it. I love it. I love it. So you've got your photo and video now. You got your venue booked. What was next for you? Like you had your church booked, I imagine, as well. Yeah. So we had we got like venues for were first, then dress, then photo, video. Right. The next for me was honestly flowers. Just making sure I could book myself in advance for that, and I was really lucky. Um, a really good friend of ours 
his girlfriend actually is an employee at Bunches. She's probably, I think she's a manager. She's been working at Bunches forever and she makes the most beautiful flower arrangements. And I learned in all of my wedding research that Bunches really does, like they do fantastic floral arrangements and they have the best, once again, value for quality. It's the best bang for buck in the city of Edmonton for wedding flowers. So I knew that that was the next thing I needed to book. So I just let my friend know, my friend Brittany know, hey, do you think you'd be able to help out with this? This is what, this is the day. Can we do this? And she said, yes, absolutely. Because I'm once again, I'm reaching out to all these people. It's at least a year in advance at this point, probably more than a year, because it depends if I reached out to these vendors before or after the postponing of the original wedding date. Did you know your colors at that point? I think I was still thinking about them. You're right. My colors. I've forgotten about my colors. No, I think I think it was flowers. And I think it was just booking it. So I don't think we had done colors yet. And then after I got flowers, actually, is when we did bridesmaid dresses. So I had three bridesmaids, which meant Chris had to narrow down his wish of 12 groomsmen to three. I insisted on us having matching sides. You can have unmatching sides, but I did not want that. That was not part of my vision. This is your wedding. You can do whatever you want. Exactly. It is my wedding. <laughs> my dad always teases me how I say my wedding instead of our wedding, but I did most of the planning, so I feel entitled to say to say my. <laughs> we still love you, Chris. I say our marriage, but it was my wedding. Fair enough. No, I try to say our wedding. I just keep forgetting. So we went to a bunch of different bri- bridal shops that had bridesmaid dresses. We tried some on there trying to figure out what colors I wanted. You know, the really trendy color at the time was sage green. And it still is a very trendy color to have for bridesmaids. And so I was thinking that, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was nice. You know, I, I, I thought it was pretty. But one of my oldest and dearest friends is also a very, very fair complexion. And the sage green just really washed her out. But I really enjoyed like the green. And now green has become incredibly even more popular than it originally was. I think, you know, I think sage green was just the up and coming color at the time. And I realized, you know what, I didn't want to do like the obvious up and coming color, especially because it did not complement one of my bridesmaids skin tones. Like that would have been just so rude of me to expect her to pay for this dress that she's going to just hate the color of. So I ended up really doing a lot of thought and I was playing around with I was Googling all the different wedding color palettes that you can have. And especially because it was a spring wedding, but I didn't want to do pastels because that was too obvious. I wanted to do something a little different, but not too different that it wouldn't be classic and timeless. And then I came across teal. And I thought, wow, I forgot about the color teal. It's beautiful. We were at the dress lounge, which is ultimately where we got our bridesmaid dresses because they have the widest selection in the city. And they, have so many different styles and so we stuck with um the brand of jasmine bridal and so all of the girls i gave them ultimately relatively free free reign when it came to picking their dresses my only rules were it needed to be floor length because that was that was i don't know that was what i wanted and it couldn't be off the shoulder because my dress was off the shoulder so that would have been weird if they also had off the shoulder and i requested no cold shoulder dresses because I just personally don't feel like that is timeless because I feel like cold shoulders are very, very now. And so those are my only rules. I just told them, keep in mind, it's still a church wedding. It's not that strict, but like, you know, nothing too scandalous. Don't, you know, don't take away from my shine. (laughs) This is my day. Remember that. 
Exactly. This my, is my wedding. Day. I'll kick you out. No, I'll never kick them out. <laughs> I would never, never dream of it. Um, but so everybody was trying on all the different styles of dresses and everybody ended up finding something that they really, really loved and that they felt really comfortable and beautiful in. And I don't know if they've reworn their dresses since, but I know that they loved them on the day of. And all of those dresses definitely have the potential to be shortened to like a midi length and, you know, be worn as a dress to a wedding as a guest in the future. There's definitely the potential for it. I know all brides say that, but what I did just sort of... Have you worn yours since? I want to every day. Are you kidding me? No, it's in a box. It's in a box that's really heavy and it's preserved. No, I'm, I want to do... Um, I want to get some more portraits done for like an anniversary. So I, oh, I will I like pull that. it out, but I'm trying to make sure it stays white and doesn't turn yellow or something. <laughs> but yeah, what I did to then compensate all my bridesmaids for investing in in this dress you know, they're not cheap. I wasn't asking them to spend $500, but you know, it wasn't cheap. And I gave them some free reign when it came to the shoes as well. I said, you know, as long as it's like a gold or nude color, I'll be, I'll be happy with that. Is I, I said that I would pay for their hair and makeup on the day of the wedding. And then I also bought them um, a bracelet to wear for the wedding day. So we all had matching bracelets. I like that. Yeah. Little token. And I know they wear the bracelets. I know they wear the bracelets. I've seen them wear the bracelets again. You've seen the the photos on Instagram. Exactly. <laughs> was Ashley, like your, your planner, involved throughout this whole process as you're going through and checking off all these like vendors uh, for your day? Was she involved or did she just kind of like let you do your thing and she was just there just to offer suggestions along the way? She was so ready to help with anything, uh, but... Like I said, I'm very type A. I am very much a control freak. And so there was a lot of it that I really wanted to do. But she was an incredible soundboard. Whenever I sort of wanted to chat about something or if I wanted recommendations, she always had a ton of recommendations to offer. And the only... What I had really wanted her for primarily was as a day of coordinator. Because I knew on the day of, I was going to let go of all of the control. And somehow I actually managed to do that. You did pretty good, actually. (laughs) But it was the plan was I just wanted to know that there was someone in charge of everything that I could trust, who was incredibly capable, so that I knew that if anything happened, she would deal with it. But I also reminded her to have fun because she is the wife of a very dear friend of ours. So I said, please remember to also have fun. And she did too. But also you're on shift. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was mostly for the ceremony and then the beginning yeah. of the reception. So once all of the program was all done, she was pretty well off the clock. Right on. So uh, you were talking about hair and makeup just not too long ago. How did that come about? When did you start booking that for your wedding? I started looking up all the different makeup artists in the in the city, in the area. I have an amazing hairdresser, so I knew that that was a given. That was the only thing that I didn't need to inquire about. I, my, did my you want to give them a shout out? Yeah, Edmund Mercury at Ponytail and Horseshoes. He's incredible. My hair's never looked better. And he does a lot of hair, dressed hair for like photo shoots in the city and outside of the city. And he's so incredibly talented. So I knew that we would do something amazing and it would look beautiful. And I just, and we did a couple trials and it was fantastic. Uh, But for a makeup artist, something that I was really dealing with during the wedding planning process and on the wedding day, was acne 
because that is something super fun that we get to deal with apparently as adults. <laughs> and, you know, it was, it, I knew it would happen. It was something that I'd, ex- I'd accepted since the wedding, I went on Accutane and now all my acne is gone and I'm a little annoyed I didn't try that sooner. But, you know, it is what it is. I took that as a teenager, actually, Accutane. Like, I never took it as a teenager because I didn't have acne until I turned 21. It was stupid. Oh, my God. It was I so wish, rude I wish I was body. you. It was so rude of my body. Or maybe it was 19. I don't know. All I know is I didn't like it. I still deal with some acne, but... Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, 39, you get so. a pimple. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess there's some perks to getting older. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> no. It honestly, that. it was what it was. I was doing, you know, I was I was getting regular facials, trying to and using products to try and calm it down. But planning a wedding is stressful. It is. And you're a student. And I'm a student. I'm trying to survive in these two worlds, competing for all of my time and attention. And Unfortunately, I was somebody who would pick their face. So it was a really stressful time. And I just, it ended up being okay on the wedding day. And what I tell all my friends who get engaged is you're going to have a pimple on your wedding day and it's okay. Because you know what? The photographer can get rid of it. You know what? Your makeup artist can turn it into a freckle. That's my favorite tip (laughs) is always turn your pimple into like a beauty spot. No one needs to know. No one's going to remember if you actually have a beauty spot on your cheek or not. So when I was looking for a makeup artist, because I'd always kind of, as an adult, struggled with acne, I was specifically looking for a makeup artist who didn't necessarily have acne-prone skin themselves, but who was good at dealing with acne-prone skin. And so I found Sheena Ray Beauty, who definitely has, you know, she's had her own struggles with her skin and loving her skin. And I just felt like I'd see the, I'd see her before and after pictures. And I was like, wow, like, her skin is still glowing because growing up in the generation where we grew up putting, when we would put our makeup on, you know, that 2016 makeup where it's very matte and very thick and heavy. There's nothing wrong with that look. If that's what, if that's the look you go for, I fully support it. But I wanted a very glowy skin-like look, whether or not there was acne on my skin or not. And so her skin was just always so glowy. And if she was dealing with some acne at the time, like it was hardly noticeable. And I decided, you know what, that's exactly what I'm looking for. And she's so incredibly talented and she does such an amazing job. And I've gone to her since my wedding to get my makeup done for special occasions because why not? And what does she think now that you're on the Accutane? I actually haven't seen her since I've been on Accutane. Oh, okay. And she always would get mad at me because before the wedding, I picked out a couple of zits and she she looked at me, she's like, Evelyn, come on. It was pretty funny in hindsight, and it ended up ultimately being okay. Don't pick your skin the night before your wedding. That's my one advice for everybody. No matter how much you want to, no matter how stressed you are, don't do it. Don't touch them. Just leave them be. But she ultimately, you know, we just turned all of them into freckles. You know, we put a little eyebrow powder on them to make them dark and mm-hmm. look like a little little beauty spot. And then she, it just, it it was seamless. And honestly, you were glowing. You were glowing. I, nobody I mean, looks at your skin. Nobody is looking at your skin as a bride and saying, oh, that's too bad she has acne. Otherwise, she would have been a really beautiful bride. No, yeah, everyone's no going to look no at you. No one says that. No one's thinking that. Exactly. On the day of or afterwards when they look at your photos. Like they don't know. Exactly. And ultimately, like I realized at the end of the day, I totally 
hardly thought about my skin at all. Good. And thankfully, you know, my skin wasn't at its worst on the wedding day. You know, there was just a couple of little guys, little friends along for the ride. But they it's one of those... taken the whole day. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. <laughs> it's it's like something you don't think about and especially you know like hopefully most brides are are dealing with beautiful skin and not dealing with adult acne but i unfortunately wasn't so lucky but ultimately in hindsight like i as as women we are just so hypercritical of ourselves and i think it's really important that we give ourselves some grace and absolutely remember that everything can be erased in post-production I love that. that's funny so okay we're, we're we're cruising now when did you uh get jordan with nyquist on because uh jordan's a good friend of mine we've done a lot of work together love jordan and he's one of the djs i always recommend to my couples so I'm curious to know when he came into the picture. I had a very good friend of mine get married the November before our wedding. So it's about a year and a half before our wedding. Yeah, that sounds right. And she said, Evelyn, I found the most amazing DJ. He really knows how to how to turn out a party. Like this guy. He's a good looking dude too. Like I And he's a good looking dude. It helps. He's a man crushing over here. You guys do have a bromance. It's actually really I had cute. him on the podcast. He was one of my first guests. I remember I saw you post about that. I just remember on the wedding day, you guys were like joined at the hip when you weren't, <laughs> when you could be. It was cute. And you guys work really well together and you were able to help him like when it came to setting up a projector and whatever. And like you knew how you, how to support him, which was a really nice thing to have. And I, and I have no doubt that he appreciated but so this is a girlfriend that I really trust and who loves a good party. And she said, you know, he can do like pretty well, any kind of music. Like he's got a good setup. He's got lots of tunes. And I said, perfect. I'll hire him. So I hired Jordan on sight unseen. I said, I trust this friend. I just hired him. Referrals are our best leads. Honestly, as, as a wedding professional myself, when there's a referral, it's always like, I'm always humbled, obviously. And honestly, like, it's it really benefits the couple in the end because these referrals don't come lightly. If people are putting their names out there and they're not going to just say anyone's name, like I don't just recommend anybody to my couples. Like I really am giving the the best of the best out there to my couples, whether it's photographers, uh, DJs, venues, catering, hair, makeup, and the list goes on. Right. So yeah, I, I love that. There was that personal connection there already, and there was trust. And I also got to see him in action at my at my girlfriend's wedding. So you're like, okay, I got to yeah, I got to experience. He's good. The NyQuest experience, and that was such a fun wedding. And he was such a good sport. And he just he was he's really good at reading a room and just adapting. Like if he could tell, like, okay, these tunes not the crowd's not loving it. Let's try let's try going this way. And like he just he's excellent. He's an incredible professional and definitely an asset to any any bride's team of vendors. And that honestly, that's what really separates uh, like the uh, okay DJs from like the really really good ones, and then the the elite. Absolutely, is the ones that can really read a room and are able to troubleshoot because a lot of times, like we get paid for experience and how to troubleshoot uh, when things come up. 
because on a wedding day, there's a lot of things that can... So many things can go wrong. Absolutely, right? And someone who's got a couple of weddings under their belt compared to someone who's got, say, over 100. And with Jordan, like him and his team, they do over 50 weddings a year now. He does an insane number of weddings over the summer. I don't know, like, I don't know when he sleeps. He's Superman. I... He must just sleep Monday to Friday and then just bang out the Saturday, Sunday weddings and then go back to bed and hibernate for five days. Yeah. Plus, he's got a family and a exactly. um, beautiful family. And, a, and he still finds time to get away. Yeah. A lot of love for you, uh, Jordan. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, we love you. Yeah. Shout out, Jordan. Catering. Let's talk about catering and your uh, cake. Uh, but first, let's talk about catering. How did that come about? Was that included with the venue or? It wasn't included with the venue, but I had to be very conscious about what catering company I used and what type of catering we would do. I had really originally wanted to do family style. I thought it would have been cute, really cozy. I really wanted to avoid a buffet, but ultimately with sort of the amount of people that I wanted and the size of the kitchen at Studio 96, I was a little limited uh, just based on my own choices. And a buffet was really the only option. But the amazing thing about Studio 96 is that they have this great, huge basement space because I don't like Mm -hmm. when you can see the buffet tables. Like buffet tables, like they're ugly and they take space and they get messy and then people lining up around them. And I was like, that's just, that's, I don't like that. It's not the vibe you were going for. It really wasn't. It wasn't, it was lacking the elegance that I wanted. And so I stuffed the buffet. And also I hate how long buffets take. So I said, all right, if we're going to do a buffet, I want two buffet tables, double-sided lines going the entire time. So there'd be four lines going constantly. And that's what we did. And we stuck the buffet tables in the basement. And so people were able to do a loop from where their table was to get their food, quickly go through the line, and then back up to the table to eat. And it was smooth and seamless. And the food was amazing. We used Mercer's Catering. I don't know if I already mentioned that, but they included, um, or they had, I think I think we had to pay a little bit for it. I can't quite remember, but they they had us for a tasting, and it was a phenomenal experience just going for the tasting. They gave us. You recommend bubbly. going for a tasting? For absolutely, catering? absolutely. Because then we actually added. We were able to talk then with the caterer and sort of talk about other options that we can include on the menu and sort of figure out like, oh, is this something that we wanted? Or we added something to the menu. We were able to make edits. Definitely go for a tasting. Are you and Chris a foodies? What? Us? With Chris's (laughs) family being in the restaurant business? No. Yeah, of course we're foodies. (laughs) Chris, I would say, is more of a foodie than I am. I just like good food, but I'm a bit of a picky eater (laughs) to his dismay. But he, he is a huge foodie, and he's actually the primary cook in our household. And he, he makes incredible food, and his family, um, they've been in the restaurant business since his grandfather came to Canada from Greece. Coliseum Steak and Pizza is their legacy. <laughs> a classic. Honestly, a classic and an icon in the city. So yeah, so having good food was really important to me because my cousin, my oldest cousin, when she got married... Oh gosh, when even was that? Chris and I were dating. I think it might've been 2017, summer of 2017. My cousin got married and I remember a lot about the day, but the one thing that we always bring up is, oh my gosh, Caitlin's food was so good at her wedding. I, that just sort of reminded me, you know, how important food is at a wedding. And it didn't need to be like, oh my gosh, that food was amazing. Cause keep in mind, this was a wedding in Penticton. So that was kind of, there were, there's lots of really 
particular catering options, I feel, in Penticton that we don't necessarily have here in Edmonton. But with Mercer's, I heard that everybody was really, really pleased with the food, pleased with the service. And ultimately, they had, once again, it was the best value. The things that were included with it made it worthwhile for me. And the way that they were able to accommodate my request for, you know, wanting the two buffet tables with two lines on either side so that there'd be people moving constantly, none of this long waiting in line to get your food. Yeah, no, I love that they were willing to adapt and and listen to you, right? As vendors, I think we could all do a better job at listening, right? And not just assuming always what is best. You know, we are the experts and there are some things that, yeah, we do know better than our clients and that's why they're hiring us for but Mm -hmm. if your couples have specific requests i think it's really really important to listen to those and to not just shrug it off just because something hasn't been done before doesn't mean that it can't be done and sometimes Mm -hmm. it just means making sure that you find vendors that are open to coming up with creative solutions yeah and i turned out really well i remember uh you know, going through the buffet line and it, it did go as seamless as you had mentioned. And it was great. I loved the whole loop. So let's talk about uh, your cake. Yes. I used wild rose cakes. I just, I wanted a pretty cake. The cake, it was, I knew that I wanted to have a little cake for myself and Chris and then cupcakes that everybody could just kind of grab and go. And also Mercer's included their own dessert selection. So there was plenty of dessert. No shortage. At, at the dessert table. Yet somehow I only managed to have a small piece of cake. <laughs> no, the, clearly the dessert was very good because I I didn't get as I had one or two cupcakes. That's all I had, I swear. <laughs> honestly, I was so happy that everybody else was having fun. <laughs> I, it uh, it honestly didn't matter to me. Besides, I got I had my own little cake. It was fine. <laughs> but I really wanted a minimalistic kind of like art piece cake so like some of that buttercream art and it was very simple just a little thing and we just wanted to do a quiet cake cutting and it was nice they um wild rose cakes has some really creative but also very classic flavors and so they had a really nice variety and they definitely have something that everybody will like did you do a taste testing with them as well or Uh, i didn't do a taste testing because they kept selling out of their tasting boxes because they're quite popular i just bought a box of cupcakes because their cupcakes flavor their cupcake flavors are the same as their cake flavors so i just i'd buy a couple different cupcakes every time i drove by them and i'd test them out if there were anything interesting we ended up being incredibly basic when it came to choosing our cake flavors we had a little two-tier cake and the first tier or i actually can't remember which was which but one tier was chocolate with like an oreo filling and this other one was a carrot cake (laughs) It was classic. Incredible. I mean, it was so people classic. love both. So I love those are my two favorite flavors. You can't go wrong with that. Chris wanted cheesecake or ice cream cake, and I said absolutely not. Oh, ice cream cake! Oh my god! I know he loves ice cream cake, and I said absolutely <laughs> not. Not on a wedding. This is my wedding. He has ice cream cake for his birthday every year. He he is fine. <laughs> there you go. He gets plenty of ice cream cake. He's taken care of always. Yeah. Okay. This is amazing. Like this has been just an amazing experience. Just really just like getting into your head and just really knowing your thought process through this whole wedding process. Your editor is going to have an absolute, he's going to have his work cut out for him. I apologize. It's all good. I I pay him well. So (laughs) (laughs) 
no, I just love all the nuggets that you've been dropping along the way. And let's talk about like on the day of, let, let's get right to the day of the wedding and just how you were feeling on the day. Yeah, just walk me through how you felt the day went from start to finish. So the morning was a little was a little crazy just because it's the morning of a wedding. And something that I had kind of, I realized had done for myself now looking back is I kind of had just accepted that, all right, I've done literally everything I can, everything that I have done planning for this day, it's happening today. And I need to give myself grace and I need to just be proud of what I've been able to create and what I've accomplished in, you know, the almost two years, actually, no, over two years, it was an over two year engagement, <laughs> the over two years leading up to this point. And I, you know, I've just got to put my, my trust in my vendors today because they want today to be a success, obviously. And I knew I could put my trust in Ashley to make sure that she would help me execute the day as flawlessly as possible. I did everything I could and I, I just had to I just had to leave it all where it was. And I had to, you know, I couldn't nitpick things. I couldn't obviously still speak your mind and say, you know, voice any concerns or things that you're unhappy with, any changes that you want to make. You know, if maybe your makeup artist did something a little different than the trial and you're and you want them to change it or if there's a hair out of place from your hairdresser, say something about it. But ultimately, I just realized uh, this is the first wedding I've ever planned. And it's the last one I'll plan for myself. And I just need to enjoy the day however it goes. Just being in the moment, right? And just like exactly. enjoying it. Because you've earned that moment. You've earned that day. And yeah, that as I mentioned to you earlier in the podcast, it's like, I always tell my couples, it's like, you know, what is done is done before your wedding day. That's why we have all these meetings. That's why we do all this planning beforehand. So on the day of, everyone can just like play their part, right? Mm -hmm. And your part was just being yourselves and soaking in every single moment, you know, being there for yourself first, being there for Chris, being there for your your bridesmaids, your, your friends, your family, everyone there that is there for you guys, right? And I think you guys did a really good job at just like, letting go and just enjoying the moments as they were coming, you know, and some of them were very emotional. I remember specifically after the ceremony, uh, maybe you can uh, touch on this better than I can about the choir and the performance. Do you want to touch on that? Because I know we're kind of skipping ahead and we'll, we'll go back a little bit, but that moment for me was especially emotional for some really close people in your lives. So my dad has been in the Edmonton Swiss Men's Choir ever since I was one years old. So I've really, and and I'm 27 now. So 26 years, my dad's been a member of this choir, even though we're not Swiss. uh, We wish we were. Unfortunately, we were not so lucky. But he's been in this choir his whole life, or my whole life, pardon me, feels like his whole life, probably. So I really grew up around these guys, you know, they multiple concerts throughout the year, tours to Switzerland that of course my mom would take us to go and see them because why wouldn't we go to Switzerland, you know, whenever we were able. It was it they've been such a huge part of my life as a child and it's one of the reasons I'm as close with my friend Claire, who was one of my bridesmaids. And um she and I, you know, we're the same age. 
both our dads were in the choir together. And so we would see each other at every event and we were thick as thieves. There are a lot of traditions that come from being a part of such a, a big and long-standing group. And so there's a song that they, so it was um, during the ceremony, the choir had put together a couple of songs and this was their first performance after the pandemic, essentially. So this was something that, you know, it was nice to have a positive celebration because um, unfortunately there it's an older choir. So unfortunately they had lost some members over the pandemic, uh, either due to COVID or just due to old age. And so it was really nice to, for them, uh, they, they said it was really nice to be able to sing for something that was a joyous occasion rather than something more somber. So my, my bridesmaid, Claire, she had a very simple ceremony during COVID, just something in her mom's home with just her, her husband, uh, her mother and her father-in-law and his partner. So it was incredibly small. Oh, and their two dogs, of course, who were ring bearers, appropriately so. And so they had their small ceremony that was beautiful and very perfect for her. But her dad had unfortunately passed away just before the pandemic. Um, and he was such an amazing and important man in so many people's lives and uh, a, a very dear friend to my father. And so my father, he asked me beforehand as to not want to take away from any of my shine. But of course, this is a moment that I was so very happy to share the spotlight with. We had a little brunch or not brunch, a little snack, a little champagne and, and snacks after the ceremony for the members of the choir who so beautifully sang for my ceremony because we could obviously we couldn't accommodate everybody at the reception venue we, we had to make some cuts somewhere but we really wanted to show our appreciation somehow and um there's a song called no hayalita it's actually a ukrainian song their conductor um she's ukrainian you sing no hayalita as sort of a, a well-wishing it's a song of well wishes. So you sing it for someone's birthday, at weddings, at anniversaries. It's a really joyous song. And so my dad really wanted to take a moment to be able to sing this song for, for my friend Claire and her husband Alex since the choir, since it was a small COVID wedding, um, the choir never got an opportunity to congratulate them on their marriage. And so my, and it was a hard day for Claire, for my bridesmaid, because, you know, obviously she would have loved to have her dad at her wedding and she would have loved to have a, well, she, I don't know, she might not have loved to have a wedding as big as mine, <laughs> but she would have loved to, you know, be able to have the choir sing at her wedding or have some sort of something with that. And so my dad made a beautiful little speech sharing his love to Claire and Alex and the choir's love to them and they sang No Hialita and it was beautiful and it was it was really really moving and Claire was shocked and apologizing for taking my spotlight and I told her she didn't and it was but it's it's something that connects us forever now from from that day is that we both had this really beautiful shared experience of something you know like from us knowing each other as infants to, to now, it's been a really beautiful continuation of our of our lifelong friendship. And obviously having it captured on photo and video, you can look back and relive that and feel all those feelings again. Exactly. And I know that Claire really appreciates having it too. Yeah, no, it was such a touching moment. Let's go back. I know we kind of skipped ahead. 
I really want to talk about the first looks because we did do that. I, I remember the first look with your dad and the comment you made about your shoulders. <laughs> That's an inside joke in the family. I <laughs> don't know if I ever explained that to you. But I know you mentioned like earlier when the dress shopping, like the idea you had for your, your dress. I'm curious to know, like, you probably didn't like <laughs> tell your dad or gave him any insight of like what your dress was going to look like? No, uh, he didn't want to know anything about the dress. He wanted to be surprised. So that was actually pretty cute that he he just wanted. I, I wanted to show him pictures of dresses that I'd like very clearly said no to. And he was like, is there potential that you'd say? And then there was some there. I was like, oh, I'm, I, you know, this one's a maybe. And he's like, I don't want to see it if it's a maybe. He wanted to really be surprised. And it was very, very sweet. He wanted that moment. He really did. And so we have sort of this inside joke in our family about the shoulders. But ultimately, you know, my dad is, he's a very traditional Catholic man. And so typically in a very traditional Catholic ceremony, there'd be something covering the shoulders and typically something long sleeved and high neck. And you don't like, see a like ton your cousin of Allison had. Yeah, she had, she had definitely a more Catholic. Very traditional dress she had. Very traditional, but with a twist. It was, yeah. it was, her dress was stunning. But it was um, it was very beautiful for her with the tulle sleeves and just a nice, perfect for her summer wedding. So it was hot that day too. It was hot every day. So, you know, we would always joke that, oh yeah, dad, don't worry. My dress is a turtleneck with long sleeves. Ha ha. No skin showing at all. Exactly. You see nothing. And not that my dress was anything scandalous, but you know, it was, it was an off the shoulder dress. And we have the inside joke in our family that when I was seven or eight, we were in Barcelona. And it was, we had just spent a lot of time in France. It was during a heat wave. I swear on my life, it was plus 40 Celsius every day. I just remember feeling like we're melting every day of that summer trip. And we were in Barcelona and we wanted to go and see the big church in Barcelona. And so we're going up, we're going up to the church. And so we're all wearing, my mom's wearing a sundress with spaghetti straps. The boys are t-shirts and shorts. I was wearing a spaghetti strap top with shorts. And we're about to try and go into this old Catholic church. And they turned my mom away because she had her shoulders showing. Oh, Yeah. So you have to dress very modestly if you ever want to go into these old European Catholic churches. Even just to just to peek around, you'll see lots of women will buy like little sheer scarves to cover their shoulders. And even girls, if their shorts are too short, they have to, you know, wrap a scarf around their legs to because it's it's modesty and it's, you know, there's a lot of religious tradition behind it. It's showing respect, right? It's, exactly. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, it's all the tradition. But then as we were walking away, you know, we were pretty bummed. My mom said, oh, no, I'll just, I'll wait outside. Like, you go inside Doug, with the kids. Like, I'll just wait outside. It's fine. And we, my dad was like, no, we're not going to go in without you. We'll just, we'll find something. We'll come back another day. And then we saw this woman coming out of the church. But she was wearing a very similar dress to my mom with spaghetti straps. But she had stuck two pieces of Kleenex under the straps. So it covered her shoulders. It looked ridiculous. But it covered her shoulders. And my mom was like, oh, that's what we'll do. So she pulled two Kleenex out of her bag and stuck them on her shoulders uh, under her spaghetti straps. And so that's why in the video, I say to my dad, I'm sorry, it doesn't cover my shoulder. And then he responds with, it's okay, we'll put some Kleenex on them. I love that. Which to anybody else just makes absolutely no sense. But it was, I don't know, it was, it was perfect. He loved the dress. That's why I included <laughs> that moment. Like it was so important. But now I'm glad I know the inside joke. Yeah. After all this time. 
just thinking, what on earth are they talking about with Kleenex? Well, I figured your dad was very traditional in that sense. So, and I knew the wedding was going to be in, in a church. So I had some inkling that, you know, it, it <laughs> probably wasn't something that uh, it was going to be his first choice. But nevertheless, like he knew you, you were looking beautiful. So and- honestly, he was just happy that my boobs weren't out. I think that would have bothered him more than my shoulders. <laughs> Although it was hot enough that, uh, yeah. Anyhow, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let's head over to uh, like your first look with uh, Chris. And uh, we did it in a um, in a unique location. Um, and again, I've you mentioned earlier about you know trying to keep things indoors as much as possible. So do you want to let the listeners in on like what your idea was for the first look and, and your vision? Yeah. So at first I was thinking what would be a really fun place to like go for this. You know, a lot of people, like I said before, we do lots of outdoor things, obviously in Alberta, because it's gorgeous here. We have some beautiful nature and everything, but given my husband's condition, for lack of a better word, I didn't want him squinting in all of our portraits. That was not something that was part of my vision for the day. And so I decided everything would be indoors. And I'm absolutely obsessed with brick buildings. I think a brick wall, like you cannot do better than a brick wall for timeless for photos. It really is timeless. And I, I want nothing more in life than to move into a brick house. Like that is my ultimate dream in life is to live and own a brick house. There's still a few of them here in Edmonton. Oh, no, I will find one. It will happen. I'm going to manifest it. Chris knows it needs to just at least have like a brick accent wall somewhere and I'll be happy. It doesn't need to be fully brick. I'm, I'm very aware of the limitations in this city. I've been told I just need to move to Ontario and I, I will absolutely not be doing that. So I will work with what I have. <laughs> but so I found um, Studio Haven, which was which is downtown and it's, you know, not too outrageously far away from any of our venues and they were you know they had a very reasonable price i think my only regret is i should have booked them for longer because we were a little rushed getting out of there but you know i booked them for three hours it's a little tight at the end but you know what when you have uh two photographers and two videographers you guys clean that up real quick (laughs) but so i wanted it if i knew it had to be indoor and i just wanted a very simple backdrop that enhanced us rather than took away from us. And so a brick wall is the dream, really. It's a beautiful, just nice, clean red brick wall. And they also have beautiful windows. So there's lots of natural light. And then there's also their little white accent wall. It's a really beautiful space. And honestly, in the future, when Chris and I eventually, you know, do more wedding portraits for an anniversary or anniversary portraits, I suppose, in our wedding attire, I'm probably going to go back there. It's a great location. It really is. It was fantastic. And the pictures really turned out beautiful. And, you know, it was a nice place to meet because part of what I was doing before I ended up finding the studio because I didn't know these kinds of studio spaces even existed until I was way down the rabbit hole of research. I was trying to find nice murals like outside in the city. But then I started thinking, well, what if it rained? What if it hails? What if it's too sunny? And or what if there's pedestrians who get in our way? Like there were so many incontrollable factors with not using the studio space. And I've found, uh, maybe it's just because I found that studio space and now I'm aware of them, but there seems to be a lot more popping up in the in the city and surrounding areas. And I don't know if this is a new development or if I'm just newly aware of it, but 
it's I think it's so fantastic. Over the last few years, it's it's definitely picked up. Yeah, and there's some really beautiful spaces, and there's spaces that are for all different sort of styles and visions and different needs. Like even if you're just doing family portraits, I think it's a great place to go. And yeah, there's lots. There's so many options. So was Chris's reaction to you what you you expected or? I didn't think he would cry and he didn't cry. <laughs> so obviously it would have been nice if he did, but I knew he wouldn't. <laughs> Should have brought the onions. I know. You know what? It, you know, it was one of those things. I didn't actually, I think the important thing, like obviously you hear brides say like, oh, he better cry. But honestly, like that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure. And if your guy is not the kind of guy that cries easily, like <laughs> you're just setting yourself up for failure. I just knew that he's a very, he's a private guy for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I just knew that if I wanted to get a genuine reaction and to be able to savor that reaction, I wanted to have a private moment with him. And I wanted to be able to see and hear his reaction first. Well, you, did you feel you got that? I absolutely did. He had a fantastic reaction. He knew that, like, I think he was nervous. Oh, I know he was nervous. That's that's silly. It's not, I think. I know he was nervous because he felt like, he kind of felt like I had put some pressure on him for a reaction. I kept telling him, you know, I just want you, I just want you to see me, you know, and I just want to see you before. And I want to get our portraits done before because that was the best thing we could have ever done for our timeline. Mm-hmm. It made it so that, you know, we took our pictures at the beginning where we all were looking our freshest and our cleanest. And, you know, nobody had cried yet. Nobody's mascara was running. Our makeup was still flawless. And then, you know, we were able to enjoy the rest of the day and not really worry so much about, you know, oh, we have to do our portraits. Oh, we have to make sure they're stunning. Yeah. And you still did your family portraits on the steps, you know, afterwards at Mm -hmm. the church. And, you know, they looked great. I mean, you guys were right in the the sun. So I know it wasn't comfortable, especially for Chris. but. No, he was a champ. We did our best. I will say that's my one thing, though. I was so set on... Uh, I should have been a little bit more flexible. That's my one wedding regret, I think. It's the only one. And honestly, it's the smallest little regret. I'm really not too bothered by it in the long run is for the portraits, for the family portraits, I should say. Maybe we should have done it inside the church or something because it was was too sunny. It was too bright. I really wanted it to be outside the church, though. And I was so stuck on that. But ultimately, you know, us being at the top of the stairs, going up to the church and having the photographers at the bottom didn't make for the most flattering angles. And so my my bouquet, which was very, very large, was kind of, it's kind of a little too close to my face because I was holding it for so long too. So it was getting really heavy. So that's the one thing. I think that's the only thing is I, I wish I'd been just a little bit more flexible when it came to that. And maybe thought of another option. But also it was absolute mayhem trying to get my family all together and my husband's family all together to take these pictures. <laughs> so Herding cats, as I always really say. Was, is- <laughs> it really was. You know, the ones with my in-laws thankfully turned out, I'm a little bit more pleased with those just because, you know, we were all on the same level. But those had to be taken at the reception venue because they went to the reception venue <laughs> before we could take the pictures. I do remember <laughs> us looking for them. It's like, where did they go? Where did they yeah, go? Where did the rest of, where the other half? the family go so i'm happy i'm very grateful to have the pictures that i do have but you know if um hopefully i'll still be blessed with my grandparents being around i might i might have them pop on their wedding attire when chris and i do our (laughs) anniversary photos and have them just show up and take a couple of portraits 
<laughs> just to have. Was there anything else about the day that really stood out for you that we haven't talked about that uh, you would love the listeners to, to know about? I know the dance was really important and the speeches were great. Mm-hmm. Well, the only other thing I think of is the surprise I had for Chris. I really wanted, I put a lot of thought into this wedding and my husband, Chris, is so amazing. And I had come across a very special little treasure, which is that um, we actually, Chris and I technically met when we were four and five years old. (laughs) I do remember what you're about to talk about. Yeah. So my brother and I are the most well-documented children ever. My dad had one of the classic, you know, VHS taped, tape size video cameras, probably cost a cool grand in the 90s when he got it. I have no idea. He was the OG. It really was the OG. He was the OG videographer. (laughs) I should have been uh, getting tips from him on how to do this wedding, right? Yeah. He got pretty good at it. But so my brother and I were constantly being videoed our, our entire lives. And Chris and I discovered that we both used to go to this sort of afternoon, weekly music camp uh, called uh, Kinder Music. Uh, But we learned learned that we both attended and it was at the same time, but we went on different days. So we were like, oh, that would have been so funny if we we had actually met each other. Ha ha, wouldn't that have been wild? But we were like, oh no, it didn't happen. We were on different days. Well, originally for the wedding, I was trying to bite off more than I could chew. And I was like, oh, I want to have these table numbers that have pictures of us as children. That was far too much to organize. I gave up on that dream very quickly, but not before looking through photo albums with my mother. And then we went, we, we got to the point in time where there was kinder music content. And I looked and I said, huh, there is a boy in this kinder music concert that is incredibly blonde and kind of looks like my husband (laughs) kind of looks like Chris and I'm looking at it I'm looking at it a little more and I'd seen a couple pictures of Chris as a child and I said oh my gosh I think that is Chris so I send a picture I take a picture of it and I send it to my to my future mother-in-law and I say is this Chris and she goes oh my gosh yes that is that's so funny so then I asked my parents and I said, did you record this kinder music concert? And my dad said, of course I did. So we pulled up the video and it's too funny because Chris and I are both wearing yellow. He's wearing a yellow shirt and I'm wearing a yellow dress. Obviously we don't know each other yet. This, that year for the spring concert, the music, uh, the kinder music teacher had combined our two classes for the spring concert and we were standing fairly close to each other. So in Every single shot, you see me and Chris. And so it took everything. It really was meant to be. It took everything in me not to spoil this surprise. I told probably every other person I knew so that I wouldn't tell him. If I I ever had the opportunity to talk about it, I told everybody else because I just couldn't contain it. I'm a horrible secret keeper or surprise keeper. I'm a good secret keeper. I'm a bad surprise keeper. (laughs) I was so excited. And so I... Jordan was so awesome at helping me uh, keep this a secret as well. Because I said, okay, I need you to, like, we can't have the projector set up because Chris knows that we've not done any sort of PowerPoint or anything. And so Jordan was able, you and Jordan as a little team there, were able to set up that projector and the um, projection screen, the fastest I've ever seen that happen. Honestly, I think it's world record breaking. (laughs) And I had a really good friend of ours who um, does a lot of video editing. 
put together a little compilation video of that kinder music video and i showed it we showed it at the wedding and i said to chris i was like oh i have a little surprise for you it's a video and he looked at me with fear in his eyes and he said please tell me you're not about to show a soul runner music video which is his metal band and he was so afraid i was going to show a video of his band oh my lord and i said no of course not I have something better. I have something better. Exactly. And it was so special because, you know, not everybody had a video camera in the 90s. That wasn't a common thing. Now everybody's videoed. My family didn't. Exactly. And Chris's family didn't either. And so it was a really special thing. I remember where he was sitting and where his mom was sitting. They were they were sharing some like really special little moments and little smiles because, you know, she hadn't seen that little little cute little five-year-old guy in a long time. And he was pretty sweet. Pretty silly, but pretty sweet. Yeah, no, I definitely remember seeing his reaction, and it was, it was special. It was, it was a really special moment. Looking back now, I you were just talking about uh, his mom. So since the wedding, and this is one thing that obviously I'm biased because I'm a videographer, but I truly believe it's really important to capture the best moments of your lives, the really important ones on on photo and video, because you just don't know when everyone's time is up and unfortunately we lost someone really special that was at that wedding uh, since then and do you want to let the listeners in on yeah on who Jackie was so my mother-in-law Jackie was such an absolute joy and a bright light and unfortunately about six months after our wedding she started to not feel very well she developed a mild but persistent cough powered through December, you know, for the holidays, because that's just the kind of person she was. And in January, she checked herself into the hospital. She really, really wasn't feeling well. Um, after a couple of weeks of, you know, back and forth and tests and not, not knowing what's going on, we discovered it was end of January when we received the diagnosis of uh, stage four lung cancer that had metastasized in 12 different parts of her body. And it was in October that she had started feeling poorly. And the oncologists believe that that was when the cancer had started. So it was between October and January that she went from no cancer to stage four cancer. So she had like an incredibly aggressive form of cancer. It was truly something inconceivable from a woman who... I considered to be a very healthy person. You know, she was a personal trainer. She had competed in multiple Ironmans and who, although she was incredibly clumsy, was seemingly invincible to all of us, you know? And it was exceptionally shocking, especially because she's, she was the youngest out of all four of our parents. You know, she, she was younger than my parents and we did not expect to to lose her as soon as we did. So, so from her diagnosis at the end of January, she had passed away on April 9th. So she didn't even last 100 days from when she received her diagnosis. But she did not go without fighting and persevering and trying literally everything under the sun to try and have more time with her family. And it was, you know, she was the most loving and giving person and always made sure that I felt welcomed and loved. And she loved her boys fiercely. It's been a really hard 
thing to watch my husband go through. This is definitely the last thing, one of the last things at least that I would ever want to go through in our first year of marriage. But, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, Chris and I can do hard things together. We've experienced difficult things in the past. And so when she was sick, we realized that we could, we could survive this together and it wouldn't be easy. In fact, it's incredibly hard and we're still, you know, it's July now. She passed away at the beginning of April. We are still grieving and adjusting to life without her and what our future now looks like without her in it. It's not something you plan for or dream about. You know, you expect your parents to live until, you know, at least 80. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. She had just turned 59 about a week before she passed away. She's so young. She was incredibly young. And I thought she'd be the last one standing, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but that was still going to be 40 years down the road for me. So it was, it's been a really difficult thing. And it's kind of changed what our life plan looks like now. You know, we always imagined having grandma Jackie around and that's, you know, not going to happen for our future children. And so it's figuring out how to preserve her legacy and her joy for, you know, our children in the future. And also in a way so that when we look back on our wedding day, we're not just riddled with sadness and we're remembering to be happy, remember that day fondly because that's one of, that was definitely one of the last big events that we were able to participate in with her. And I'm so incredibly grateful that we were able to share that day with her and she was able to be such a big part of it. She was full of life. Like, I mean, I wish I'd known her longer. And I, I mean, a lot of times uh, I get to know families on a very like short stint, but then afterwards, like I'm spending a lot of time seeing their faces through my editing, right? And I know same thing for uh, on the photo side, right? And so I'm wondering, like looking back now, when you see the photos and the videos from your wedding, and you see her, like do you look at your wedding a little bit different right now? I do. I definitely do because Jackie in our personal lives was usually the one behind the camera, you know, forcing the boys to smile for a picture. And, um, it was, it's nice that, you know, she, I had her get her hair and makeup done with us that morning. So, you know, she was extra dolled up. And so looking back on those days uh, or on that day, I'm grateful that I made sure to include her as much as I did. And now almost looking back, you know, knowing what I know now, I wish I could have, included her a little bit more. But, you know, of course, you don't expect your mother-in-law to die in the first year of your marriage. You expect to have more time. You expect to be able to further develop and grow your relationship as mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. For me, I have an amazing mother who has been nothing but wonderful and supportive of me. So I knew how that relationship was meant to be. But I navigating mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, that was something that I was really looking forward to exploring with Jackie and exploring, you know, after Chris and I had children. And that's something that I've been robbed of. And it's been a really hard thing to come to terms with and to accept. And it makes me wish, you know, that we had done that, you know, it makes me wish that I could have had 
you know, a special one-on-one moment with her on that day. And I had, you know, like little moments, but I didn't, it was something I hadn't planned for. And so maybe that's something that I'd recommend to any of my friends getting married or any, any of the brides listening is to try and have a special moment with, you know, with your grandparents that are there and with your in-laws that are there and your parents that are there, have those special little moments with them and try to make, make sure that they get documented somehow. Cause I definitely had moments, you know, with, with everybody that I wanted to have moments with, but whether they were documented enough is, you know, a, a different story. I realized looking back on all the pictures, I really only have the portraits with my grandparents. I don't have uh, any other pictures other than the portraits with my, with my grandma. I have some really cute pictures of me dancing with my 90 year old grandpa. That one's awesome. But (laughs) grandma is unfortunately not able to dance. (laughs) And so it's little things like that, that I hadn't really considered, you know, making sure that you're setting yourself up so you can have pictures that should someone pass away the next day, which is a horrible thing to think of and you don't want to think about on your wedding day, but something that you could at least look back on and say, well, thank goodness I have this. And for the most part, I definitely do. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a lot happening on that day and we try our best to document uh, as much as we can. And for me, my style has always been more on the candid side of things so I, I like to get you know as many faces in there as i can and you know sometimes you do miss a face or, or two but you try to get them in you know in a few moments at least right exactly you never know right because something is always better than nothing when you're dealing with with a loss like this like you're just grateful to have something and thank you so much for sharing the energy and the the brightness of Jackie. I think I really wanted to take time towards the end of this podcast to really give time for Jackie because she made a big difference on that day and in a lot of people's lives, uh, including myself. And so thank you for sharing that. Thank you for letting me. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we've been going at this for a while, which is, uh, I hope uh, we still have some listeners uh, at this point. Uh, But if you're still listening, congratulations. You know, looking back now as a whole now, going through like the the planning process, you know, how do you feel like it all went? You've had a lot of time, obviously, to think what you could have done. There's always things that we could have done better, right? Uh, Or differently. But is there anything like that we haven't touched on about the whole process and, and the day of that you really want the listeners to know? Honestly, it's not anything to do with the day of. But it's having to do with afterwards. Um, The wedding blues are real. Like I was still riding the high after the wedding for about a week. And then I got some wicked wedding blues. I, you know, Chris and I always say our only complaint about the wedding is that the day wasn't long enough. You know, we needed a a 30-hour day, not a 24-hour day. I get that. And and that, that should be your only complaint, whether everything went according to plan or not. That should be your only complaint because ultimately the day went however it went. And if you're gonna, it's hard, especially, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> sometimes I, I find myself feeling maybe wishing that things have been different, especially now that my maid of honor is actually getting married and I am in her bridal party. You know, I'm helping her a lot with the planning process for her wedding. And, you know, it's bringing me back to the wonderful feelings of wedding planning, which I clearly enjoy so, so much. 
And there's all these new things and new ideas that are available. And the wedding industry has just grown so much in just the year and a bit since we had our wedding. It's Life comes at you fast. Yeah. And there's all these new ideas. And sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I wish I could have done that or wish I would have done that differently. Oh, I wish I'd seen that idea. I would have loved to have done that at my wedding. And so it's those wedding blues that I still feel sometimes to today. And it's okay to miss your wedding, but you can't live in the past. I agree. As much as I'd love to. You can't live in the past. And so whenever I'm feeling that way, post a picture from your wedding. Try to make a coffee table book of your wedding. Watch your wedding video again. When I'm stuck on wedding TikTok again, so I just send all the videos to to the new bride. I send her all my ideas. And I imagine that she has an unlimited budget and I get to plan it. <laughs> it's not your money now. It's, it's somebody it's not else's my money. money. It's her money. <laughs> no. And so it's the wedding blues are real. And it's really hard not to compare yourself to others and to not compare your wedding to other weddings that you go to. But it's important to remember that your wedding was perfect for you and your wedding was a perfect representation of you and your marriage. Absolutely. It's hard sometimes. It's easy to get jealous. You know, maybe somebody had had a bigger budget than you. I get that way sometimes. I mean, my wife and I, we were uh, planning on this bigger wedding, you know, traditional wedding, having a lot of people there. But this is back in 2018. Uh, and we ended up having to downsize to the point where it was just our parents and us. And it was not what I wanted in the beginning. I wanted the big celebration. She wanted something probably very close, if not what we actually had in the end. <laughs> but I wanted this big wins. celebration. But uh, we had to make a choice because we were also like in the early stages of you know uh, running a new business. And we had to decide where we wanted to put our money towards. Our families weren't going to be a contributing. They weren't in a situation to do it. So it was on us. Mm-hmm. And so we made that decision. And looking back, we made the right decision. But yeah, like I... There's still days where I'll, I'll look back. I'm like, I wish I had this big wedding, you know. And but you know what? At the same time, I love what we had. It was very special to us. And mm-hmm. you know, her dad has since passed away, and so that footage, you know, of him in there was very special, and it, it means even more now. That's beautiful. So I can, I can definitely, yeah. So I can definitely relate to you know what you and Chris have you know gone through, and so. Yeah, no, thank you so much, uh, Evelyn. I know we went through a long journey here and it's honestly been an absolute like honor to really just like learn more about your story. I learned things about you and Chris that I didn't even know beforehand. And so thank you for sharing your journey uh, with me and and the listeners and and really like just letting us in. So did you have any final thoughts or uh, did you want to share your Instagram handle if uh, people do want to follow you i know uh, you're a big deal and you, you're a recent graduate too you're, you're so i mean there's a lot of things happening on your on your uh instagram now that uh it's exciting to f- see the the progress since your wedding yeah uh no for sure i mean if anybody wants to uh or if they have like more specific questions about like wedding planning because there's there's a lot of things that i learned through the process that i'm always more than happy to share i have Tip. I have my go-to tips that I that I always give my fellow brides, even though I am no longer a bride. But share. Um, so my Instagram handle is at uh, evvarves. So it's E V E V A R V S. So it, it um, 
matches very closely to Chris's Instagram handle that he never uses, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty cute <laughs> to match. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Evelyn. Once again, it's been just just a blast just catching up with you and uh, just seeing how you feel looking back now at your wedding and with uh, good memories, really good mm-hmm. and happy memories. You know, even with uh, the grief and the losses that you've had, you can still look back and and just be that princess all over again. Absolutely. And all I need to do is watch the video and it all comes flooding back. I love it. I love it. Well. <laughs> We will definitely uh, keep in touch and uh, I can't wait to see uh, where your guys' uh, story uh, goes from here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Kevin. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.